was unmuted that whole time. That's pretty funny. Well, now I'll click here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, uh, I think we're episode 18. Welcome to the 18th episode of the Pure Joy podcast. I'm your host, M, and this is a bi-weekly exploration into what brings people joy. Today, I have with me my guest, Tristan Farley. Some of you may know him as uh, Kryn Crea on many of the social networks, the, 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 the YouTube, the, the Twitch, Twitter, all, all of the sort of social strata. Um, and he is here today to tell us about his joys. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably be bouncing back and forth the whole episode, Tristan, Kryn, but why don't you introduce yourself to us here? Uh, tell us uh, who we're talking to today on the podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Kryn. That is what I, I generally go by online. Uh, most of my IRL friends me, do know me as Tristan. That's what I've gone by my entire life. But Kryn is actually one of those things that does come uh, from joy. You see, way back when, when I started DMing, I started my long journey through D&D and Star Wars and all these other tabletop RPGs, Kryn Kryn was actually the first NPC I ever made. Oh, it was this Felucian Scout that I made for the, the Star Wars game I was running. So that's where that name comes from. And it's a name that it's just it means a lot to me. And so th that's wow. where it's from and goes into my 20 year journey through tabletop RPGs and my obsession with Star Wars. Thanks to, like, you know, Knights of the Old Republic games and, and you know, the John Williams music is another thing I absolutely adore. Uh, I'm very big on <laughs> instrumentals and, you know, that sort of background music that you can get in. Shout out to Saints Riot for getting me into Katana Zero, because that is a soundtrack that I have been listening to nonstop for the last, like, three years since he started putting wow. uh, those in his video. It, I'm all over the place, but in the end, I'm a giant nerd. I'm a giant geek. I love so much about what, you know, culture can has brought to us through storytelling and through the different mediums that has come. Like you can see in the background, we got Star Wars, we got, you know, goblins and Nintendo stuff. There's Bloodborne art back there. This Mad Max poster on the side here has been a, a it was one of my first big purchases as an adult. Like storytelling is so important to me. And that's why I went to school for acting and why I still want to be a, a voice actor and writer today. Wow. Uh, so just sort of a, a shrine to, to sort of nerddom in your room. Um... <laughs> that's fantastic i All stuff i love yeah no i my camera has just never faced i keep setting up like all of my little like pokemon lego sets my stacks of cards and then the camera is just never facing in that direction and i get like lights and wall uh so i make lights and wall work but they're here just uh off to the right instead of the left um it's also my my working library is right behind me so um this this is my D D and pathfinder collection right here that's wow. all the books there. So yeah. I, it's practical as well. Sure. That brings me joy. Sure, sure. Absolutely. I mean, I that's really cool. I think I had known that it was part of a tabletop role-playing game. Uh at some point, I think you had you had shared like a little tidbit, but that's really cool that like it's the name we know you by already. It's gonna be it's your joy here on the podcast. It's just a, a really cool um through line. But before we get into that, before we get into your your the pure joy of your life, we like to start with a little question, a little bit, and that is what today has brought you joy? You look back on it just this morning. Where have you found joy just today? <laughs> just today. Well, 
So, so one of the things uh, right now is I, I'm alone in, in the house and whatnot. So I have all the animals just here chilling with me uh, on my bed and whatnot. And that always just gives me joy because they used to be where they, they'd all roam around the house. And the more that I've been streaming and hanging out here, they've just decided that they'll chill on my bed. They'll, they'll sleep here. They'll nap. And I just love it. I love my pets. Yeah, my cat has been more uh, snuggly, I guess, like attached to me in the past few days i think since my partner went out of town like right away he was like right up on me um and any ch chance i'm walking around the house he's like begging for attention very cute lately my joy today i woke up uh i was feeling a little tired this morning uh but of course after my coffee i felt great and uh i was i was it was peeking around some streams and i found this uh streamer uh the gaming np and just her her entire like vibe and she was just like laughing and joyous and she had so much energy and I just like found myself I generally have pretty hard time focusing and like staying in a, a stream for too long uh, I'll switch up streamers quite often um, but I just like found myself there chatting with her for like uh, an hour or so and I really really just enjoyed it it was like a just a joyful conversation yeah yeah, yeah, it was just a, a good morning. It brought it brought like, you know, the 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 brightness to my morning. I think that uh, maybe I needed this morning. Yeah, that that's great. You know, it. I, I have a really hard time going out and finding new streamers to to follow and whatnot. I just it's something I'm, I'm bad at. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very much someone who will go back to my friends' chats because I know I can just hang out with them forever and keep them up in the background. Because streaming, or at least watching streams for me, is more of a passive thing. It's fun to be able to chat with new people and whatnot, but normally I just have them on while I'm doing other work. Mm -hmm. So it's not as much of a, an active thing where I'm like, oh, well, let me go hunt around here, see if, you know, about this new game I wanted to play and see who's streaming it and whatnot. It's, it's not something that really comes to my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I found that difficult as well. I think just like talking to new, uh, every time I'm talking to a new person, it's always, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit of anxiety that goes along with it. Maybe there's, um, I don't know, just some like social, like just the, the basic social anxieties. But um, yeah, I just I felt I felt nice. I gave it a, a chance this morning. and It went really well. Sometimes, you know, you go into a new stream and it's not like the energy you're after for doing just that, like listening in the background. But mm -hmm. uh, it felt good to just like click and nail it. And then I was like, good for my morning uh, chatting here and there, listening to her story. She was really open. So that's nice. I enjoy like people who are always open to share their experiences. Absolutely. joy of the day out of the way what in life brings you pure joy well what we're gonna be talking about today is going to be um, rpgs and specifically tabletop rpgs uh, and this is something that's been a big part of my life for a very long time you know i it started when i was like seven essentially with my dad getting me and my sister to to play D D, and my mom getting roped in because she's like well this is family time i guess <laughs> we're gonna play stuff for family time and so ever since then, I like I've really enjoyed the format of that collective storytelling and the the improv that goes into it. And I, I think that all goes down to just loving loving reading, loving stories. I, I I learned to read for Pokemon. I have the Pokemon guide that I learned to read in the background over here as well. Like it, it's always been that idea of adventure 
you know, the idea of exploration and being able to share that with other people, especially people close to you. It, it can be fun to do, you know, a, adventures with random people you meet at like, you know, a Comic-Con or whatever. But being able to share those stories with your, your friends, it's just something that always has brought me joy. And the longer I did it, the more I was willing to take the you know driver's seat in that, become the DM, tell the story, get everyone to, to share those things together and to go through a little bit of self-discovery and, and exploration on their own. And, and I just think that is what really brings me joy is just for people to be able to find those moments and discover something new about themselves that you can't necessarily do in the real world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just playing the I mean, the concept of like tabletop role playing games and there being anything goes and generally they're generally we take place in like a higher fantasy setting. So we're mm -hmm. talking like things just we could never touch upon or do or think about like the magic and the just all of the the general world flow is so different uh, in 90% of tabletop role-playing games that are like, you know, campaigns that, that are kind of created. So there's just not, yeah, like you said, a chance for us to get any of those opportunities to, to see what we would do. And a lot of times, even when we're playing characters, I th think in these tabletop role-playing games, a lot of the decisions come down to our own lens on the situation, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you can only go so far in role playing a character uh, to an extent. Sometimes, like unless you say out loud, like, well, this is what my character would do. And then you do the thing like I, f I find oftentimes <laughs> that I'm making decisions uh, that only make sense to me as the, the player, as like am playing this character, um, which lends to and, helping and me learn. Yeah. A lot of people start from it is just that that stance of like, OK, well, this is what I would do and this still makes most sense. So I'm going to do it. OK, my character might not do this because it wouldn't make sense for them. Maybe I won't do that. This would make more sense. For them. Yeah, it's that slow little build up for it. As someone with a, a really strong acting and theater background, it's a lot easier for me to put myself into someone else's shoes. And that's a skill that I see lacking in, in a lot of people. I work in customer service, uh, you know, I, I do coffee. So I, I see this all the time, both with the, my, the customers that come through and with my coworkers, because we all very much get caught up in our own narrative and wanting that to be the, the most true, the most accurate thing. And being able to, to share in collective storytelling means you get to watch other people take themselves outside of their narrative and at the same time helps you to do the same thing. Yeah, I find myself thinking in the, the the same fashion quite often is that like I know that people are living in their own um, their own truth and their own like what they know to be I just like factual about their space for the moment. And if that I mean, means that they're upset, right, if that means that they're emotional for the moment, then that is truth for them. Like they've, they've been facing things that mm -hmm. causes them to be that way. And. You know, sometimes you can be a bit affronted by a large show of emotions, but taking a moment to recognize the like, just like nature of that, like you face that they are facing that now. So if we could just be a bit of understanding in this moment, it could help help that. And to tie that back in to the, the joy, like you like D&D &D and tabletop role playing games give you the opportunity to get so many more examples of that kind of at like rapid fire pace. To really expose mm -hmm. you to it yeah 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 so what about uh we've talked about it a little bit but what about do you think like 
is it is it the feeling of nostalgia the feeling of creativity what keeps you coming back to to like tabletop role-playing games for 20 years yeah i think a big part of it is the creativity i've jumped around through a lot of different systems dnd was where i started but uh the star wars saga edition and the 3.5 version i played a bit of that there's a fifth edition version that i've looked into and haven't uh, gotten a group together for uh, there's all the d20 modern stuff there's palladium games which if you've I don't know how much you know about Palladium as a series, but they are pretty much a giant mishmash of every genre you can. Okay. But they also have a, a lot of like source books that go outside of that. One of my favorite for them is the uh, the Dead Rising campaign setting, which is just a zombie apocalypse. Everything zombie apocalypse. So you know that was really big like a decade ago. We were trying to to get people to play for. I you know I've done uh, Legend of the Five Rings. I've done Traveler. Uh, you know, a little bit of Call of Cthulhu here and there. And every place has their own their own narrative that they want to impart and right. that they want to tell. And, and I love that from, from a DM side and from an acting side, because it's all about setting up the themes that they, they want you to explore and go into. Yeah. And for, for me as a writer, I love that because it just gives me new ideas to go off of and riff with. I, I love being able to create things together. Um, I actually had a, about a, a five-year partnership with a couple of people where we were making a whole world together and i don't think that's ever going to get published because we had a bit of a falling out but it, it was so much fun for me because it, you know i'd get to take things that they made me able to tweak it just that little bit to push it a little bit further mm -hmm. and we'd be able to do that you know back and forth for for hours sometimes we, we'd just be sitting there you know smoking and, and writing for like eight hours at a time and having just so much fun because it, it's that pure creativity which you're limited by in other mediums it's true once a tv show is done you can enjoy it you can write your fanfic you can be speculative about it but it is concrete it mm. is done yeah yeah and to the same extent that's how video games work you know there, there are only so many options that they've actually left on the table that's why stuff like you know a fallout which does have many tabletop so many iterations of I've uh, actually made a Powered by the Apocalypse Fallout game that I was playing with my friends for a little bit. And I, I absolutely love that because the lore is just all over the place there. But even with all those choices, you're still limited by what they allow you to do. Mm -hmm. That's why you know, New Vegas will always be one of my favorite games because you had so many more options on how to interact with people. And why you know the transition to Fallout 4 was really such a, a jarring thing because I went from being able to you know, have eight different options when, when talking to somebody and getting new information out of them to, well, do you want to hit up, left, right, or down? That's, that's what you get. Good luck. Hope you can say everything you want with this vague descriptor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's like and so, the benefit of these tabletop role-playing games, right? Oops, knocked my whole thing. Now it's shining me in the eyes. Um, <laughs> is that those, I mean, those options become infinitum you can like yeah exactly up down left right inside outside around you can give a, a flowery speech if you want you i've had players prepare uh, prepare poetry before for for a session which ah oh, ah oh, i love that that was so cool like th there's all these little bits and pieces that people can find more expression through with uh tabletop rpgs and be able to share that with the people there. You know, you have people who who paint minis because they they really love to get that sort of character representation in their hand to be like, yes, this is me. See, that's who I'm playing. And then, then they'll they'll do one for everyone at the table. You have people who who just draw their OCs, and doing that makes them identify so much more with who their character is because they can see that look like, yeah, 
yeah, my character's smirking all the time. You better know it. And then you'll have the people like like me, this is something I'm guilty of, who will write a 10-page background, backstory, you know, climactic hero's journey that ends with them losing all their power and watch. Like, yeah, that's for the first level. Yeah. They know things, but they've also forgotten a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's important to be able to frame like when you're playing these tabletop role playing games, like be able to frame everything properly, um, allow like your players, I guess, from the the GM point of view to allow your players to sort of have that open ended creativity um, and then use your own creativity to tie it all together in a sweet bow for the start of the story for them. It's exactly that, you know, it's giving everybody the freedom to do so, Mm -hmm. which is something you know, a lot of people are kind of hesitant to do in creative spheres. Uh, you know, coming from the the arts, it's something you see with a lot of people more technically minded, is that they're very much based and rooted in reality. And because of that, they they aren't willing to let themselves feel all the joy of childhood that they got when they can just, you know, make up whatever and, and say whatever and find things to to be true to them even though they're clearly not true sort of an unrestricted freedom and, and i think that sort of childlike joy is, is something that's really hard to find the more as you grow up because you do have so much more weighing on you so much more that you you've got to consider with everything you do and that sort of a analysis paralysis can yeah. i mean does hold back a lot of people myself included at times but being able to go back to just a, a simple time where, you know, everyone's a character in some land far, far away. And, you know, everything that's affecting them is just what's right around them. It, it lets you, you let go. It is that sort of escapism that can let you enjoy life more for, for what you found there and be able to bring it forward with you as your, your own person. Yeah, I mean, it's it that like like kind of mentioned it is that that unrestricted freedom to just do whatever you want and live in whatever space that you are that you have for the moment to inhabit like i've you know i when if i if i'm thinking about like role-playing games and tabletop role-playing games like i love some jokes but i like a good serious story that we can dive at, down into and dig apart um but i've had like some of my mm-hmm. best role-playing experiences are things that like Maybe we would consider a one shot, even if they go 10 sessions and they're like playing the JoJo's tabletop role playing game. Like, it's just a laugh. Like, it's just a laugh and a riot. And like, mm-hmm. it's you can't like it maybe a serious half serious story, but you can't take it seriously because it's a soap opera. Like you're playing a soap opera, an yeah. anime soap opera. And mm-hmm. that's like the fun of it is like sometimes I'm playing D&D and fantasy and I'm seriously looking for clues. And other times I'm like playing JoJo's and we're like laughing at at the wildest situations that could happen because you're in an anime soap opera and it's or you're playing the wendy's adventure like there's so many silly and and like just offbeat campaigns that are out there or one shots that are out there i like the the weeby goblin series that pathfinder did for free rpg day for like i don't know half a decade maybe longer i I don't know I, i lost count after five but they, they were just supposed to be these dumb little adventures where everyone's playing a goblin. You're probably going to die. And it's written in there like, oh, well, if somebody dies, you know, another goblin looks just like them and has the same name. It just shows up because they're goblins. They're too dumb to not have just the same names. <laughs> hey, you're, that was your hero. They died. Now you're the hero. Now you're the hero. 
Like I, I love that sort of stuff. And it is just a, an absolute riot. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of my, one of the, the most mortifying, but also one of the funniest moments that ever happened as a DM was um, I was playing a, a Star Wars campaign with just my family. Um, and my mom was playing a Zeltron, which in Star Wars is this race of pink humanoids. They give off pheromones that, uh, you know, make pretty much every other race uh, attracted to them or species. Um, and so my mom decided she was going to play this up and she was going to start flirting or uh, flirting w- with, you know, the random NPCs. At least in that and case, your dad old, is the like, GM, I imagine. Oh, no, it's Kryn no, the GM? I was the GM. Oh, no. Kryn was the oh, GM. No. And so my dad is on the side just laughing, having a ball with this. And my mom is just doing, like, the lightest sort of stuff to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to, like, you know, saddle up to him and see what I can do. And I'm like, oh, I can't flirt with my mom. <laughs> yeah no exactly and i was like uh they 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 give in or you know they run away they they don't know they've heard of zeltrons they don't like it they don't want your pheromones they're out of here <laughs> that it, it was it was so funny and so so mortifying for a, a young dm to figure out <laughs> to do. flirting flirting is the hardest thing to do at role-playing games i swear like i've never done it comfortably in a role-playing game and i i like i don't know what it is but the moment i try i get way more awkward than i even do in real life if i'm trying to flirt it's like wild and most of the time i mean it's my friends and we're just like goofing around but like the moment i try it's like i lose everything in what i'm trying to do i can only imagine attempting to flirt with my 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 mom while i'm (laughs) dming yeah there was no attempt there was just complete complete mental shutdown i think after that i I was ready to flirt with any of my other players i'm like oh you're gonna throw this at me i had my fucking mom come for me i'm I'm ready to fight don't you dare i'm ready to fight that's funny Um, so besides the occasional, uh, awkward moment, what are some challenges that you maybe face with, um, like playing tabletop role-playing games, getting as like the, you know, the ultimate creative freedom? What are some challenges that you come across? Yeah, the biggest challenge that I come across is getting the group together. I think every, every D&D nerd knows the trouble of scheduling conflict. <laughs> Yes, yes, truly the the biggest boss to ever fight any any campaign, any adventure. 200%, no doubt. trying to get six people together, trying to get, like, eight people together, it's just, oh, oh, it gets so hard. No one has free time. Everyone's trying to, you know, work their job or three, you know, raise their kids, start up their side hustle, all of us streaming, like, oh, it's such a pain. trying to to get people scheduled together and the problem with that the bigger problem with that is the people who are going to make the time for the session are usually the people who already know how to play and and really enjoy playing but you need those newer people because you want them to to enjoy this you want to share this with them you need them to come you need them to commit because until you do, you can't teach them. You can't show them, you know, the the joy that you can find here, the the release that can be there for just letting go of the rest of the world for a little bit. 
And that's especially harder with IRL groups. You know, getting everyone to the same spot can also be hard just from commuting times and getting off work and whatnot. Uh, and, and for those, I really do like to have smaller groups. That's actually what my yep. current um, work is, is going towards, is making a, a game that's more focused on, you know, like two players. To, I you know, love DM a two-player two group. Like, I, I very much enjoy that. I think that you can just have the, the two players really bouncing off each other, getting a, a good little rhythm going. And then you as the DM can just present them challenges as they buddy cop their way through the world. Yeah. Um, but it's supposed to be more, more based around that and more around immersion. You know, there's a lot of uh, immersive sims is, is the genre that they're, they're called in video games for stuff like System Shock and Prey. And, and to a much lesser extent, stuff like Fallout once you add in the survival modes for mm -hmm. them. And, and that's really what I'm trying to accomplish here is to give it uh, much more of a rooting for you in what you know in real life uh you know it, you know you gotta eat that's your motivation you've been out on the road for a week you ran out of food you haven't been to hunt anything you're just happy to get in town and that's why you're going to the tavern you're fucking hungry you're hungry like, it, it's stuff like that that i i think is really important to get people invested first and then they can start seeing you know more what their their options are where they can take it from there Oh, I'm hungry. This random goblin that I'm fighting probably doesn't want to fight me. He's probably trying to rob me because he's hungry. Hey, dude, ha have a trail ration. Leave me the fuck alone. Like, mm -hmm. that's that's the more the the character sort of stuff that I want to see because combat is such a heavy focus of the rule system. You know, you'll find pretty much every character class in any RPG is going to be centered around combat and how they can kill other people. At the end of the day, that's really messed up. Like that's the the, the really messed up part. It's just like murder everywhere. That's why it's the term murder hobo. I mean, for, for characters who just do that. Of the D and D things, there are two things that are the most. I feel like two actions you can take that are the most opposed to what you do in normal life one is magic like just casting a fireball that's i sure. feel fireball yes is a powerful spell but people also love fireball because like just being able to do that is never something you could do in real life and when you think yeah. of magic i feel like fire producing fire is the first thing people think of um in a lot mm -hmm. of cases and the other thing is murder like you can't you can't go i can't murder someone uh i no. couldn't wouldn't want to don't but i hate that i hate it but in D D, when that weird weight is lifted and i feel empowered by my magic and and whatever um <laughs> the options on the table and then it feels like uh why shouldn't i murder this guy uh I, that's why I, in the past few years i've been trying to play better uh more well-rounded characters like i'm much more into the the talking the the social game when you start D, &D mm -hmm. it's about combat you gotta it, i i feel yes. like you, you <laughs> I, I, I get it bring them in with a fight you can't fight in real life come fight here uh but then also mm -hmm. talk here like chat with us do a mystery <laughs> um scheduling is difficult scheduling is very hard yeah. like i mean we've noticed we we did one we one did session we did you, one you session and i and I mean, you know, it was pitched as a one shot. I did think it might be a one shot. And as we kept playing, I was like, OK, maybe two sessions. No big deal. We'll pick it back up. We're not like focused on a schedule. Uh, and I think that mm. we, I'm less focused on pushing our uh, us to play because we're all 
well versed in rpgs right like like you said the, yeah. when i'm pushing for a schedule more often uh there's some reasons behind it or because i really want this new player to like get into it uh, once you get the scheduling mm -hmm. aspect down the hardest hurdle to playing rpgs for a long form a uh, long period of time you feel more free to just like start a game we'll come back to it in a few months we're all well versed enough to be like and this is where we left off we were playing some goblins and let's have fun and um here are the notes you it, guys got a bell uh exactly like it, it's uh, there's there's a flow to it and new characters you kind of want to remind them more often and play with them a little bit more often so they're reminded of the joys of this i one of my dnd groups is with a brand new is his first time playing and so like i i find myself pushing for that more often uh because i'm just like i want to see his responses to what's going on uh, mm -hmm. rather than like, I, I love an experience response, of course, but an experience response always comes with like, and next time maybe we do some, you know, blank, blank and blank, which I love. Criticism is good, but sure. from like yeah. a new person, they don't, they can't fully criticize. They're just like, that was so cool. I've never done anything like that before. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I know you're welcome. Like, uh, let's do it. This is great. <laughs> no. And that is such a, a wonderful feeling. It's something I've gotten many times over my life uh, i got you know my old theater group uh, a good dozen of them playing DD. some still play it today some uh, don't anymore uh, but like i got a bunch of them to do it i got people at my college to do it i've gotten people at my new job to do it like people really enjoy giving it a try and they can see what's fun about it but you can also see when it's like okay yeah it's fun with it but i don't really care if i ever do it again and that's totally fine you know, it, that just means that they're not going to be the person that you're, you're reaching out for as much. You're like, oh, hey, let's do this. That's the person you go to. Hey, I've got a really dumb single night adventure for us to play. Single and you night. you can be this character where you can do that dumb shit you loved last time to the nth degree. Single night adventure. So rare. So yeah. rare. My pitch, it, it my pitch, rare. I really, so to, to give context to the thing I'm about to say, we're talking about doing a little like one-off domains thing i do for yeah. the dungeons drivings and dice podcast i do think maybe four hours but i i think that with a structured <laughs> with a structured approach to it in creating a DD &D world uh to give context where the concept is to create a DD &D world or a playable space in a session mm -hmm. maybe two hours uh build those characters that live there and then play a small session that you know, it, even if it lands on a cliffhanger, that's okay because we are conceptually coming into this with the idea we're not coming back to play this again. Even if it like yeah. it, these characters' lives still technically continue in fiction, uh, so if they're on a cliffhanger, mm -hmm. that's totally fine. It doesn't have to come to a conclusion. If it does, yay. If it doesn't, like that's fun too. I don't know. I think it's doable. I think it's it just got, I gotta refine the the structure and the approach. I, I think what. It like how that sort of format's going to go really well is if you have like three people who are normally doing it and then you have like a guest who comes in every time is like their fourth. So you have the people who are kind of used to creating together. You have that last person they're they're always kind of asking like, hey, what would you want to do here? This is the sort of stuff we like doing with it. I and like then you can that. Like get more of that practice bit down to make sure you can fit those two hours of creation in and then get to the adventure that does feel important for that because you're i mean that that i do agree that's the biggest hurdle to this kind of project is like uh getting a creative flow down with a group is very important and the first time you sit down mm -hmm. to do something like this is going to take a little bit longer for sure because we're still trying to oh, figure out yes. how we create together but if we have that group three people that do it every time and then include a guest or even two 
uh, just on to mm-hmm. help pitch new things and join in this creation that might really help uh, structure it and bolster it and allow it to be three hours or four hours of a recording. That's interesting. That's a really good idea. Yeah. And like we haven't even talked about the world building part of it for, for me as well, just for, for TTRPGs. Oh, yeah. World building is such a huge part of it. You like when you go around online and you're, you're looking at all these D&D podcasts and that are out there, Punch, every one of them is using some sort of homebrew setting, homebrew rules, things that they've cooked up on their own. They're like, oh, this is, this is the way. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And like there's so much fun in that. There's so much freedom in that. Because, yes, you have like the, the basis of what you're trying to build next to. Right now, it's all fifth edition stuff. We'll see how that changes with the open game licensing changes that D&D is trying to push forward with D&D 1. But I'm, 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 right I'm going to play now, D&D. I'm going to play D&D on my own, doing whatever I want to do with it. I just don't have to pull it off of line. I, I've got so much 3.5 stuff what? back here. Like I, I don't I mean, care about your I... stupid license wizards. <laughs> I have all your books. Take them away from me. Dare you to try. <laughs> but but no that like being able to sit down and for one person to go well you know i think i think in this setting gnomes are the the master race they're, they're the ones who have controlled everybody uh you know they, they've enslaved everybody and they're the bad guys this time gnomes are bad and then you just go okay i'm sorry that's a little anti-semitic can we, can we not do that can we please not that's been and a focus for sure, see... like not picking a uh, a race as a bad guy, but a group of yeah. people. And, and that's one of those things that like people go to initially. You see that with, with a lot of like Forgotten Realms design elements. Orcs are bad. Drow are bad. Yeah. 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 Ugh. You're telling me the black elves are the bad ones? What are you saying, Guys. wizards? What are you saying, wizards? Guys. Come on. Ugh. Come on, man. It's so bad. Nope, nope, nope. But My first character was a drow. Push... I was like, not that. <laughs> but as you, you push further into a much more modern settings, you know, Eberron did this a lot better where, you know, it was very much more about the political focus of things. And that's what I focus on is the sociopolitical, uh, you know, conflicts that arise from the campaign settings that you're building. You'll see that a lot more in Pathfinder as well in their Galerion setting, where it's all about the nations. Everywhere, there's like 70 nations or something. Each one has its own splat book going into like why they hate everybody else or the people around them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where you find so much more exploration because you're no longer putting it to like the the basis that Wizards has kind of pushed for so long because it, it was rooted out of the 50s and a lot of the, the racism that comes out of the United States. And nowadays, you know, being able to include trans characters, that was that was such a huge thing in the Wrath of the Righteous campaign for, for Pathfinder was one of their main characters was trans. And it was never really talked about unless you talked to, to her and her love interest. Uh, and like that was such a big thing for me to find and to find ace characters out there and, and whatnot. Like I did a lot of discovery about myself as, a, as an asexual person. By playing a Warforged in a in my college campaign, that was before I even knew the term Ace. But I wanted to to play a character. I this is a character I wrote ten pages of backstory for yes. and sent to my my DM, who I didn't know at all. This, this was a, a complete Skype group. Amazing. So we we you know we a stranger here's ten pages. Together. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh oh, Jasper, thank you for putting up with me. Um, <laughs> 
but but like we got together on a, a looking for group Tumblr that that existed back in the day. I don't know. It might still be running. I don't know what Tumblr's doing anymore. Um, and, and none of us really knew each other. Maybe maybe living. I don't know. Twitter might just be dying. barely living. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess we're all they're all dying. Well, in the Sylvia Plath sense of the word, we're all dying. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> But you know, that was that was such a great way for me to explore that because you know everyone else was you know making more of the, these bonds between themselves and the characters they're rescuing and whatnot, and I got to be just this really stoic figure who's like, well, that is the right thing to do. Yeah, that's probably the the, the greater good. I can get that. But at the same time, I could be like, I don't. What, what, this person's not going to seduce me. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm rock. <laughs> I'm rock. <laughs> I feel like from my beginning in D&D I was immediately impressed with my DM just like being given the options I was given and the way that he thought about what these NPCs were feeling really like opened me up to like trying that out it really inspired me I think there was maybe a few different arcs I played there and then I immediately like dove into attempting you know, I ha I was like, hey, would you mind joining? Maybe we switch things around. Maybe I DM that way. I have you here. Help me out. Mm -hmm. Tell me what I'm you know, what I can do better as we're going. Uh, and since then, it's like everything is homebrewed. I think even my first one was homebrewed. Mm -hmm. I just like sometimes I'll open a module and the moment I find inspiration, I'm like, ooh, this would be a good idea. Closed. And I'm like, and here we go. It's it's creation time. The whole Absolutely. world I got to build up the this ocean is called this and these people control it and these other people don't like that and and then i'm like here build some characters in here here's like a whole little set and what do you guys want to do and that's like the fun thing for me is that like i mean i guess it's back to the creating as a as a group like the group think that kind of mm -hmm. begins to happen is that as you get a little better at it you start to include that like this person's backstory says that this thing exists so i can tie that in over here and and mix mm -hmm, it all together mm -hmm. so that my world is complete and i didn't have to add in every single detail they added in some i added in some and they blended one of my favorite dm tricks is taking something somebody says offhandedly and then working it into the plot <laughs> I had uh, one of my characters said, um, or no, I said, yeah, they're selling like hotcakes. And they said, I don't know what hotcakes are, but I'll buy it. And then we had a whole conversation about what hotcakes are. And I pointed out a new shop that sells hotcakes. And like, we didn't mm -hmm. do anything with it, but it gave us another few minutes of just like interacting about this Fun. dumb comment that we that we made and kept making. No, and that's the sort of thing I I adore because yeah, it, it's when you as the DM are just going, and then one of the characters catches you, and they're like, "Wait, is that a thing?" And you're like, "It is now." So yeah, we're gonna go all into it. Yes, and yes, and indeed, yes, and indeed, that has been my newest focus in D and D is. I used to and uh, it was one of my players pointed it out to me. I used to think like, what is in place for me to say yes? How can I in canon say yes to the thing you're asking? Um, and if I can't figure out what's there to make that happen, I'm like, well, I can't. I don't see how that could happen. But new frame is why shouldn't it? Why can't it happen? Is there anything I can all of a sudden put there to make that doable? Because it can fit or make sense because... There's no reason for me to say no. 
um unless it's so yeah. ridiculously you know away from story but then that's your that's your job as the dm to like wrangle wrangle that and frame it um just right um so yeah my, my new thing is like why why sh why shouldn't it why shouldn't it happen to really lean into the yeah, yes yeah. and yeah you know and i can definitely respect that that's one of those traits as a dm like there's a lot of different styles of gming or dming uh you know you have the people who are completely just off the book that's a lot of new people at first they're they're just mm -hmm. taking what they've been given because they they don't know what they can improvise it's not going to break everything that's already been set up mm -hmm. and a lot of games are actually set up pretty loosely in that sense because they know there's going to be improv to to let you kind of break them as you go but that that's how a lot of people start and then slowly over time you get people who develop who are like oh well, i'm just gonna improvise everything this this entire session is gonna be completely improvised mm -hmm. you you guys do whatever you want i'll let you know what happens good luck i don't know it's always going to be good but it's going to happen and, and then, you know, I'm much more of a bullet pointer. You know, I, I have the, the stuff that I want to hit. I have a base idea of what's around, and, and then I'll, I'll go from there. But I also lean into, like, this super heavy lore design where, like, I have pages and pages and pages of stuff written up so that way I can always go back to it. But I'm also willing to drop literally all, all of, of it, it right away. Yep. Notice because I'm like, well, I said one thing wrong when I was talking to you, so that that invalidated like three paragraphs of work. Oh, oh that's well, the I, it, yeah, that's crazy. the worst, the biggest way. You're like, oh, I cannot believe I didn't say the one important sentence. I gave you guys everything, but not the clue, <laughs> not the clue, and it's over. I can't retcon a clue. <laughs> he also yeah. said the clue, like no. <laughs> He also said the most obvious clue imaginable. Just imagine that was about halfway through everything. Gosh, just the one clue I'm always thinking about. I'm like, and this is the one thing I have to say. And it's the one thing that doesn't come up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and like, for me, that's just, that, that's just fun. It keeps me on my toes. The, the thing I, that really kills D&D &D and TTRPGs for me is when I'm playing through it and I know everything that's going to happen. Like, I, yeah. I hate that. I can go through a pre-made module, but I can't say I know everything's going to happen unless you guys follow it exactly to the detail. I, I don't expect that. I never expect that. Mm -hmm. No one I've ever played has been such a, a rote player that they always go through and do everything the way I think it's going to happen. Right. I've, I've had never. some uninspired sessions where people don't really get off the beaten path. They only know how to do two things. That's check for traps and fight, that, fight stuff. And that's okay it's just not that interesting to me and that's when i'm like all right well there's no traps you fight this gelatinous cube and you move on with your day what does your character feel about this yeah how do you feel i feel like there's a good way that the D, D book puts it uh and that is that like the the types of players you have kind of fall into different categories and that is that some are here for lore some are here for fighting some are here for high fantasy and some are here to just hang out with a group of people um and it's important to know what your players are like i think i have in my one of my current groups like everyone is a different category of player and so it's important to make sure that at some point i can trigger each of their wants in a session or in a in an encounter give them a fighting opportunity give them a moment to possibly get past it if they do their research right and can now charisma past it or you know investigate their way out of it or whatever that is um 
And, and I think a, a big part of that is also helping people to choose classes that are going to let them function the way they like to play. Yeah, that's important um, too. Because, you know, when I have new characters coming through, I, I typically, I don't make them spellcasters. That, that's a lot to, to know and understand and rules to check through. I, I let them play rogues. I let them be little scoundrels running around doing little thievy things. They pickpocket every merchant in town, whatever. That's fine. They'll learn not to do that once the guard comes. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you once know, you that's get part of consequentialism. <laughs> yeah. Now it's kind of the whole party's problem. You can murder, but hey, the way. law exists here too. And the reason you shouldn't yeah. <laughs> murder still exists. Yeah, yeah, that's still like a basic truth. Yeah, I know we're out <laughs> in the boonies, so you can probably get away with it a bit more, but like, don't. Don't do it because you can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, you're playing a paladin. See how this is lawful good? Yeah. Tabletop role-playing games, they hold a, a big part in your life, it seems, that they have for a long period of time, right? Um, how do you think that just being, like, RPG game-focused uh, has maybe affected your life outside of even just playing D&D, like, in your day-to-day, -day, when you think about how you interact with people or how you go about that? Do you think that this has affected you in any way there? Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. Um that is such a, a broad and open-ended question. And unfortunately, like the answer is it's affecting me all over the place. You know, I'm constantly thinking about stuff in terms of morality and in terms of, you know, how we can uh, you know approach things differently. And it's given me a, a huge amount of empathy over the course of my life. Now, I'm not saying that's like the only thing that has done so, but it's definitely something that's helped me and to, you know, try and look at things from other people's point of views it's definitely gotten to that point where i like i can kind of predict how people act and react in certain situations because i you know i've seen it before through you know through other games through you know analyzing how other people assume these sorts of things happen like there's tons of dumb little scales in in uh rpgs like oh well this is how people go from hostile to unfriendly to indifferent and like i can measure that out when i'm talking with somebody be like oh Oh yeah, you're not really liking what I'm saying. Ah, they're at the indifferent well, I can level put right on now. Some more, I can put on some more honeyed words here. I know how to do that. Not I'm quite hostile, but <laughs> we're at indifference, definitely. Like, like I, I can recognize how that stuff kind of plays out in real time, so to speak. And that's fine. Uh, it, it's definitely something that affected my my worldview a lot more when I was younger. Um, just because, you know, when you're hyper fixated on something, it becomes everything that your brain is thinking about and comprehending mm -hmm. and putting together in all these different manners. And that was definitely something I kind of broke out of. It's actually why, one of the reasons I don't wear a watch. Um, I used to wear a watch when I was younger and my life was ruled by time. And if you know how combat works in RPGs, yeah. it's all ruled by time. Six seconds, baby. Six seconds. Gotta do it all right then, right now. And in like for a long time, that's how I kind of recognized I'm like, oh, well, how much time am I wasting by doing this? Oh, I'm wasting minutes. This is this is, you know, my spells going down for, for the day. This is me you know, wasting the, the bonuses that I have right now because I'm just not using them well. Mm. And God, that was anxiety inducing. I was going to say oh, that feels boy. like anxious. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. And so it, it's not 
that you know the, there aren't useful things you can get from that it's just everything has to be taken with a, a pinch of salt a, a grain of moderation you know i think the the most important stuff you can take from uh you know D and other rpgs is the social aspects of it more than anything else you know how you you interact with you know people how you talk with them how you you know think about what they're doing and why they're doing things those are all the sort of you know problem solving skills that aren't really taught so to speak in school it's stuff you you learn on the playground through your friend groups maybe that's and a good even point then, yeah it it's not really like a heavy emphasis a lot of the time uh, you know most of the time for for kids at least that i knew we were all incentivized to do the the gifted kid stuff where you're you're reading more you're pushing yourself part further you're doing homework on lunch breaks because yep. you don't have time to do it the rest of the time and so you lose out on a lot of that but the more that you you do think about it the more that you push yourself to be more socially conscious i i think the the better off your life typically is yeah. and that's just one of those little things that where your imagination really comes into into a work a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I didn't so I, I didn't start playing D&D until college. But I mean, even still, mm -hmm. I would totally agree. It's like a fast track for large amounts of experience, because I mean, even in a session, uh, say a, a four hour session of D&D, you go through so many small interactions about what would I do in this one tiny moment that you it's just like a fast track to gaining experience on experience on experience on experience and when you play i feel like when you play D, &D it, it registers more as like actual an experience rather than when you go about your life like when you go about your life and you you know mm -hmm. pick up something you fill your bottle you do x y and z before you go to work like that is habit and you're not thinking about the experience of doing this because it's like muscle memory it's the thing you do yeah. um and while it's this may norm. be it's the norm and while this may be muscle memory for your character, they won't think about having picked up this item. Um, mm -hmm. It's a new experience for you having done it or been a part of it or talked to this person in this way or been faced with stealing something. Maybe you've never stolen and now you have to deal with that situation. And it's just another fast track to, Honestly, to learning a new. That is such a cool thing to see for someone, especially someone who's like a, a, been a goody two shoes their entire life is getting them to steal something for the first time that it really does hit them like you can see that just go through them like wow i i've never stolen before and a lot of times you get that little that little shoulder shrug of like mm, that's weird <laughs> that's weird and, but you can see somebody grow in that moment and it i, I love that you can actually see the experience register on them and mm -hmm. i feel like there's a lot of cases in D D where i've seen that kind of that feeling whether whether that like your royalty for the first time and you get treated like it and you're like whoa that's what mm -hmm. that's what it feels like to be respected by everyone i walk around that's cool uh stealing like that's always a good option i still feel like people don't think about the murder they they do the murder and they're like i did it not no, i mean you don't no, want you don't, don't want that to weigh on you well okay okay this is this is one of the things that like as a, a dm for a smaller group i i would like to emphasize I, i'm you know really trying to to make the morale system matter more mm -hmm. so the first time you kill somebody in session yeah your morale's going down i'm sorry that that's gonna be something your character has to deal with and remember mm -hmm. i've because, definitely like, 
Uh, sorry. No, no, no. I well, was going to say, I've definitely like good, faced good. a player with that before where like uh, they came across an enemy or a, 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 a thing that they weren't. It was like a, a big dog mm. creature and they they were like, cool, we're in a we're in a dungeon. So we're going to we're going to murder it because it's, it's right around the corner. And they popped out and they all casted perfect combo spells and killed the thing and blew it up. And then its friend came around the corner and was weeping that they had murdered their friend and like, don't. Why would you do this to my friend? And like now you have and everyone in this everyone in the session was like uh what is this reaction they're supposed to be mad and 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 get aggressive why you killed their friend why would they be mad they're distraught and and like that's that's such a a difference in how rpgs have been made I'll, i'll say is morale was something that was used to never be published anywhere it would always be something like oh well this thing fights with death this thing will fight you and then explode uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just so unrealistic. If, I, if I'm having a group of cutthroats trying to rob you, let me tell you, when one of them takes a gash that takes off half their hit points, they're going to be like, oh, uh, guys, we need to get out of here. This hurts real and, bad. <laughs> like, we don't have any healing magic for this. This isn't something I can just get patched up. I'm going to have to rest this off for the next week. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of like massive damage bits as I've as I've gone on like half half health means something for your life like it means something mm-hmm. for you as a person that's at least a scar that's a limp that's a missing finger like that's something big for you it's something I, I normally play into with uh, with how I run enemies is like once they hit half health they take some sort of you know a debuff or modifier to their stats Normally, it's something simple like, you know, minus one to their ability scores or, or whatever, just so it's not getting bogged down the minutia for it. And for bosses, it normally means that they switch their tactics up. You know, it, it's that, that sort of understanding for, the, you know, the character that you as the DMs playing, you're piloting so many, you kind of have to do that rapid fire. But it's that understanding like, oh, I could die here. No, <laughs> no, there's a desperation I, I, no that needs to come out. A restraint combat this is i am using everything at my disposal to annihilate you mm-hmm. who have come into my lair like there there's gonna be that sort of playfulness that little little superhero banter back and forth to start off but at the end of the day like people don't want to die it's a very simple motivation but literally everything you're fighting is going to have that unless they're a construct or an undead and even then they probably have some sense of self-preservation yeah, I mean, it, and it shows it. It shows it quite often. I think in D and D, like it is the the weird bit about anime where you're like, well, if they had that much power all along, why wouldn't they just use it? And it's like because they didn't need to. Like in the beginning, why would they need mm-hmm. to? Until they feel like they're fighting for their life, and now they have to give Until it their cornered. all. They're cornered, right? Everything is mm-hmm. everything comes out more when you're cornered. And I mean, thinking about that in terms of just DMing and and the enemies and the bosses you fight along the way is. Uh, an intriguing tactic to maybe pull some moral choices out of your party too. Oh yeah. Having, having the last or like the last two uh, enemies in a group surrender because they realize they're not going to win. That always throws people off like that. That sort of thing throws people so far off because like, well, we'll wait. How how do we take them prisoner? Who do we turn them over to? How do we guarantee they're not just going to break out? It, it gives you that whole that whole like Superman dilemma where, you know, Superman always throws the bad guys back in because he believes the second chances. 
but they always break out and go back to you know terrorizing the town like is that going to happen here is there somewhere you rehabilitate them because i don't know do you follow a religion out around here that would take this guy in how do we make sure that he doesn't cast something this is a ninth level wizard he could just annihilate anybody we put next to him with a disintegrate spell soon like how are we going to actually meaningfully handle this and that's part of world building a lot of times is making sure people know that there's a way to do this and that in of itself creates so many new quests a whole new journey that you have to go on and along the way maybe that character proves that they are worth worth redemption maybe the party decides that they're going to keep them with them and be their personal accountability partners because you know now this npc who was never supposed to survive but was just in the right place at the right time is now the sixth member in the group because everyone wants to see them get a better life yeah and, and that's the sort of stuff that always gives me a little bit more hope you know just in, in the world in humanity because you can watch you know the your friends actually you know care about someone who hours ago minutes ago two rounds ago was 12 seconds ago yeah yeah <laughs> 12 seconds ago is trying to kill me and now they are not um and, and now maybe maybe yeah, they're pretty good pretty good we can use somebody like that on our team So we've talked about we've talked about a lot of different aspects of tabletop role playing oh, yeah. games of D and D and I, I think sort of the mindset that comes with this. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you're a big fan of in this in this sphere? Specific games you love? I don't know anything along those pages that you're like we haven't chatted about that. There, there's just so much to chat about on this topic. We could probably go for a whole other hour. I mean, in, no doubt. In all honesty. As far as particular games, I think if you really want to capture like just just the pure joy uh, of a tabletop RPG, you should look into Tune. Tune is a game where you're literally playing as a cartoon character. So you can do all the dumb stretchy, like your arm goes all the way back like a quarter mile before it slams down on the, the strength meter. Like you can do whatever you want in that game as long as it's funny. And when something falls flat, literally your character falls flat like that's the joke is like oh that that wasn't a funny bit you you fall over you've become 2d again you have failed that's funny that's funny like, that's very approachable too it seems because cartoons are just like it is knowledgeable for everyone mm -hmm. and, and you can draw whatever you can play bugs bunny if you felt like it you could be wily e. coyote you, you could do as animation as you felt like but i i feel like tune is a less talked about game because it's such a a silly genre but it's also something that's highly approachable and it's something that you can play with kids and they will inherently get onto it um that's that's actually probably something that I, i'd want to talk about a little bit more is um i have played D, &D from a very young age mm -hmm. and i think it helped me a lot in, in a lot of different ways and i think nowadays it's becoming more common um before i left la i was actually helping one of my, my co-workers uh, with getting herself and her kids set up to play because one of them was interested in it. And I think including their partner, there was about, f uh, there was five of them because they had three kids and they were all going to start playing. And, and during that time, I was doing a lot of research into kid-friendly uh, modules and whatnot that's put up there. And I think that is really a, a key facet moving forward for TTRPGs is to make them something that uh, kids can really enjoy 
because it shows that the format can be used for a lot more than just stories about war, stories mm-hmm. about tragedy, stories about death. Um, there are murder mysteries out there, but murder, right in the name. Uh, there, there are you know political thrillers that that go on, but a lot of the times when you're you're looking at RPGs, they're very heavy con- you know, conflicts, very heavy topics that get brought up, and. I think that is one of the things that hold a lot of people back from playing is because they already deal with some facet of that in the real world. Like, I'm sorry, I do the best I can in my campaign settings to make racism a non-issue. Me too. It it is not something that I want my players to be walking into. It's the same thing with misogyny. I try to keep that as far off the table. If that pops up, it's because it's to signify this guy's an asshole. This is bad. This, this is a right bad here, moment. This yeah. is bad. And other people around him don't like the fact he's doing it either. But this is this is to really characterize that as a great evil. And we will mm-hmm. not see this through most of the rest of the campaign. Because I, I want it to be a place where people can feel safe to explore. And you can't do that if you just bring in all of the horrors of the real world right behind you. That's and very I true. Think that's important for kids as well. That's very true. Definitely working on tailoring your content to your I mean, you're both your players or no, j- your players, because that is your audience for for D&D. Of um, course. I was thinking about I have, you know, audience and players and and etc. But your audience is your players for D&D and you want to tailor mm-hmm. it to like what they're after and what they want. Um, And that's the joy of a good DM is that when you have one and you're working together openly, you can get the story you want and still be challenged with ideas um, and not be uncomfortable by that challenge. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I put it, I think in my, in our recent campaign at the most, I said uh, it exists, but we won't, we won't just won't be touching on it. You can imagine that in a, in, in the universe, cause we're, we're playing space and we're crossing the universe that it exists um but i'm not going to be diving into it right uh we we created like a invasive species committee and then rather than talking about like people being jerks it's only them only them do the the this thing um so mm-hmm. it's it's all sort of like coalesced when i don't want it we just don't bring them into it and when i when i'm like you know maybe it fits the situation uh the invasive species committee is here oh no but like you said, like it makes them the the bad guy rather than making the world or the the place like a bad place uh, with people mm-hmm. that are just doing it. I, I think that's it's one of the reasons I really will probably never play Warhammer is because it, it really puts up like the, the humans as basically a Nazi faction. And I just I can't have that. You, you can't be you can't be doing that all shit. of us. Not, no, not me. Right. Well, you, you, it's the space marine. Yeah. And everything. Like that's just... a brutal story. One of my good friends is really <sighs> into it, and every time there's like new stuff coming out, he's like, "This is happening," and we're always like, "I don't get it," but it's so intense. I. It's. It's. It'll. It'll never. It'll never be able to to really get me into it because of that. And like, it. It can be used for story purposes. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's not what you're but, after as a as a role it's player. Not what i think the medium should be used for yeah there's enough of that out there we don't need to bring it into our fantasy worlds like that unless you're you're trying to make a a really a really poignant and, and specific point about how it is wrong 
but humans and space marines are like one of the most played factions in Warhammer. So clearly it didn't work. It, yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, I'll play a human because I know that. And you're like, but do you know that? But do, well, you, do know you know that? What that means here? Yeah. I think we're actually it's, it's, we're doing a Warhammer after our arc. We're doing a like a one shot arc for for Warhammer, and I'll definitely take that into account to um, not be well, a human. It all depends whether you're playing like the the fantasy setting where where things are not quite as bad. Um, well, it, they're bad in other ways. Or if you're playing 40k, 40k is where like the Space Marines and, and the the classic Warhammer stuff that you you've probably seen more of. That, that's more like the sci fi stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, comes from i think we are doing 40k but okay, uh you know yeah. we're along for the ride it's a one shot we'll be past it uh i'm looking i, yeah, mean, I yeah. at least am looking forward to i do enjoy the differences of all of like the rpgs and i've never played the warhammer system so i'm excited to like sure. i think goals what D D has led me to is like one day i think i'd like to make my own tabletop role-playing game system absolutely and so i love i love exploring I have tried new systems and it's, it's a lot of work but no there's doubt so much good stuff to pull from from everything that's been put out there mm -hmm. like i i'm always going out to try and find new rpgs to be like oh well how do you do initiative how do you do skills how do you approach this what dice really do like you roll right now yeah what what dice do you roll oh yeah like i've i've done pure d6 systems before i've used percentile systems before and like it, it's always just so interesting to get your, your grubby little fingers in there. I'm like, ooh, what dice do I roll today? How can this work for me? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, then uh, I think we're we're kind of wrapping up to a, a close here, nearing an end. Would you maybe summarize what this what this is for you? Tabletop role playing games, what it means for you, what it's meant to your wider life, uh, sort of as a whole, as a good wrap up. Absolutely. Uh, you know, tabletop RPGs in, in a lot of ways is how I measure my life. You know, through the, the different games I've played, through the different systems I've explored, from being just a player to becoming uh, a forever GM, as it, it, I'll call it when you're the one running every game. You know, it, it's opened up a lot as far as being more, more mindful of the people around me and furthering my acting skills, along with letting me combine a lot of the things I enjoy in life into one distinct package that I can share with my family and friends. There are so many different aspects to TTRPGs. And while the math can be a bit restrictive for some, I absolutely love it. So that makes me a little bit of an outsider there. The, there's a lot more past that. And it doesn't have to be that important either. Being able to find your own creativity within it and be able to find the system that matches how you like to play and how you like to express yourself will honestly bring you a lot of joy in life if you find people who are willing to play or people who are willing to learn more about you. Sharing stories a lot of the time is very personal. You know, it, it's revealing a part of yourself that maybe you, you don't bring to your everyday life. And being able to find the right way to express that and to be able to show that to other people is such an uplifting and freeing feeling that I, I think that encapsulate what joy really is. That is a great way to put it. I find that here, especially, uh, I mean, on the podcast, on the Pure Joy podcast, we're searching for uh, sort of my own side quest is just like if someone didn't know what joy was, if I was like, would you like to be a guest? And they're like, I don't, I don't know what you mean by that. I would be like, okay, well, from my experience with it, 
this is sort of what encapsulates joy as you've uh so aptly put so that's fantastic. I, I tried to wrap it back in you know no that was good that's a, that's a great wrap in that was a fantastic wrap in yeah absolutely well i think that we're gonna do some close-up stuff here and yeah yeah close out the episode but i really appreciate you coming on out making the time to um to join us here on the podcast yeah thank you for having me i've been kring Cray. that's where you can find me on all the socials if you want to talk to em and i you can find us on, on our discord the legion which is linked on both of our uh i believe both of our twitters mm-hmm. and has its own twitter now mm-hmm. uh otherwise like i said thank you for having me and you have a wonderful rest of your day em yeah you too Kryn. we'll talk to you later As for everyone else, I want to thank you all for coming on out and joining on the 18th episode of the Pure Joy podcast with my guest, Tristan Farley, or again, as many of we may know him, Krenkrea. Krenkrea. I always be- I, I always switch back be- back and forth between those two, but it's it's Kryn. It's our boy Kryn. He, like we've just seen, has spent this episode talking about tabletop role-playing games, Dungeons and Dragons, the general creative freedom that that brings him and how that's opened him up in his wider life to new experiences to new connections with people to new understandings of the way that situations are going i think that playing tabletop role-playing games is a one of the best stretches you can do for your brain it is a stretch for your creativity it is a stretch for your personality development for your basic understanding of 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 human interaction i think that it truly as we may have mentioned throughout the podcast kind of fast tracks your experiences uh your social experiences in a just a, uh in a way that your average life may not in general i think that being open to the incredible fully perfect creative freedom that that it really does allow can be imposing maybe can be a little bit maybe frightening to look at and to say like i want to play D, but you can do anything you want what do i do and i'm kind of locked into this it's start small do small actions at a time open yourself up to being able to do literally anything you want and how that happens and the ex- with experience it, the actions will come and i think that a lot of what we talked about is connectable across lots of joys right the again the the sheer creativity just being open to human experience and what other people are feeling is one of the biggest lessons i think we can pull out of this or hopefully any other joy i really appreciate all of you coming on out and joining on the 18th episode of the pure joy podcast i want to thank my guest tristan for coming on out and being so open with us today i want to thank myonize and murda they allow me to use their music in the edits of the podcast. We're talking intro, outro, the transitions. I really appreciate them. You can find them on SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, sorry, your music, you can find them. Kryn, you can find under Kryn Kriya. Kryn Kriya, I'm going to be back and forth on saying that, but it'll be down in the description below of the podcast in the video uh, where you can find him on Twitch, Twitter, uh, YouTube, there across the board. So definitely check out down there. Yeah. Time to close up here, though, folks. I, again, the third time in the closer, appreciate everyone coming on out. I thank you all for listening to this episode and other episodes of the Pure Joy podcast. See you next time, folks. Mm